Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy. We're going through the Old Testament. We've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and we come to the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go ahead and start in the first verse. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah opposite Suf between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea in the fortieth year on the first day of the eleventh month. Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them after he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites. I don't know if I can do this or not. I'm going to try to explain sort of where we are in this journey. It gets complicated. If you'll turn over to page 147. Uh, the end of chapter 2, sorry. I, I didn't hear pages turning. Uh, the end of chapter 2, verse 24. Rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I have given it your hands, Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. Verse 26. So I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sion, the king of Heshbon. You got that? Now go back to where we began. You got to really listen tonight. It's good if you get it. It's really bad if you don't. It is 11 days, verse 2, it is 11 days journey from Horeb, by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea, in the fortieth year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment after he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and in Edrai. Okay, flip over. Chapter 3. Then we turned and went the way to Bashan, verse 1. And Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrai. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have given him and all his people and his land into your hand. Okay? So there's two things in this chronology uh, a couple of things that you need to pay attention to. What year is it? It's the 40th year. The 40th year since what? It's the Yes, the 40th year since they left Egypt. Okay? Or possibly the 40th year since they left Horeb or Mount Sinai. But since that period of time, and that was just a few weeks really. Okay? 
since they left Horeb. All right? But now he says, Moses spoke this after they had defeated who? Zion, Sihon, and Og. Where is Sihon and Og defeated? End of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. So Moses is saying, so the Bible is saying, this is what Moses said right after they defeated Zion and Og. And God told him to tell them this. All right? So where are we? We're at the end of the 40 years. We've just had two successful battles, and we're getting ready to go in, and God commanded Moses to speak to them about what had happened over the last 40 years. You with me? All right, yeah? It was the 40th year. They had already had these battles. And this is what Moses told them after the battle. So we back up from the battle, and we're going to get to the battle here in a minute. But this happened right after that battle, so stick with it. That just puts you in sort of context chronologically. How many of you are totally confused? Raise your hand. No one? You're, Chloe, you're totally confused? Well, that's been going on for a long time. We'll talk about it later. No, I'm kidding. Just totally kidding. Okay, it's the chronology. So, all right, here's when they leave. Well, let's see, which way would it go for you? This way, okay. So here is when they leave Sinai the first time. They go up to the promised land. They're supposed to enter in. They don't. So for 40 years, they, they're dying in the wilderness. But then at some point, they have a couple of successful battles and immediately after that, God tells Moses, now, I want you to go back and speak to them. So it's right after those battles that this sermon takes place. Okay? And so what Moses does in this sermon is he goes all the way back and he preaches them right up to this point again. Okay? So Moses is going to go back and preach right up to this point, And this is at the end of 40 years. Okay? And so we're going to try to find out what God thought was important right after those two battles to say to Moses. Okay? Does that, does that get you there? You sure? Thanks for asking because a lot of people were not, they haven't been in class with me, so they're scared of me. But you know you can ask questions, so here we are. Good. All right. So I want to read you a few verses, if you haven't been here, and maybe you can understand what the, the great theme of, of the book of Deuteronomy is. And really this whole section, one of the great themes. So let me just read these verses. I'm going to give you the reference. You can go there and read them if you'd like. Chapter 1, verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. Then go down and look in verse 21. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. On down in verse 30, 38. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, shall enter. He shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Go to chapter 2, verse 
8. So we went on away from our brothers, the people of Esau who lived in Seir, away from the Arab, Arabah road, from Elath and Ezion, Geber, and we turned and went in the direction of the wilderness of Moab. Oh, wrong one. Oh, well, yeah. For I will not give you any of their land for a possession, because I have given it to the, it to the people of Lot for a possession. Okay. Um, verse, uh, same chapter, chapter 2. Uh, just start, start yelling, stop, stop, if you get an idea of what the book might be about. Verse 24, rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of Arnon. Behold, I have given in your hand Zion the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. I'm going to keep going through the book of Deuteronomy until I hear people saying, wait, wait, I think I got it. Stop. Verse 18, and I commanded you at that time, saying... The Lord your God, it's not enough. We've got to get 100% here. The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. Uh, on down, Do I need to keep going? Is there anything on the count of three? Did you say I'm possessed? Who said that? Who said that? Larry? <laughs> so, So this book... It's a series of three sermons. We know that. Over and over, this preacher is trying to remind people, you have a possession. God has designated a possession for you. And so I want you to stop and think and to understand that you are created in the image of God. And the Bible says, and we'll talk about this in more detail as we go, but the Bible is very clear that God has given you a specific stewardship in life. Your life has a clear purpose in God, and he knows what it is, and he wants you to take possession of that which he has prepared for you. Does that make sense? Now, there's a problem with that. There's a problem with teaching on possessing your possession. Because a lot of people determine what they want and they try to appropriate God to possess what comes into their mind. But God is very clear about describing to you what your possession is. I think in America it is most difficult because there are so many things screaming at us and we begin to think, that is what I am here for, and it grabs us and we live our whole life for something that was never even meant to be our possession. Okay? So, God has a possession for you, and you are on a journey toward that possession. God wants to bring you into the complete fullness of everything that he has for you. This particular part of Deuteronomy really keys in on a second theme. You are at some point, you are getting ready to move on to the next level. But look at chapter 4, verse 9. 
Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Take heed lest you forget. All right? Chloe, I'm glad you asked the question, because remember, for 40 years we've been moving toward our possession, but a lot of things have gone on, and God says, you've got to stop and remember everything that's happened, what your eyes have seen, so that you don't forget. And so as we are moving ahead in life to possess the thing that God has given us, along the way He is teaching us lessons, and at any point, this is 40 years down the road, it might be time to stop and to look back and remember what we've seen and what God has taught us, both positive and neg- both through positive experiences and negative experiences. God has a possession that you have not achieved yet. And part of what is going to get you there is to stop and remember how he was shaping you and forming you so that you could possess whatever that land is. Is that confusing? You got that? Look over in chapter 6. These are some some, uh, great verses. Well, go over to chapter 8. We'll get to all of this next week, but chapter 8, verse 2. Same, same thought, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Boy, this is so beautiful, and I'd love to preach on it, but I just wanted to bring you here to show you that point God has led you in your life up until this point, and you need to stop and remember and go back what your eyes have seen and what you know to be true. I gave an assignment last week to the Jessman Church, and I will give you this assignment now. You need to have specific points in your life where God spoke to you. You need to have some oh my's and some praise the Lord's. You need to take account of how God has worked in your life and write them down and understand that things happen good, things happen bad, but it's God involved in your life. Stop. Look back. Tomorrow is a new day. There's possession in tomorrow for you. But if you don't learn what God wanted you to learn yesterday, guess what? It is another trip around the mountain. Somebody say, oh my. And so Moses is in this sermon. It's about time to go in. They've already defeated a couple of kings. They're on a high. Moses says, whoa. Let's go back and let's rehearse this. And here's the point. God does not want to give you your possession until he has possessed your heart. God does not want to give you your stewardship until you are full of him and you bring him to that. Does that make sense? He doesn't want to just give you a land. He wants to change your heart and give you to that land to shape it and form it into his image. And so God's moving you ahead in life 
but he's never going to get ahead of what he's doing in your character. Does that make sense? So at any point, you're starting something new. Some of you have just started school. Some of you all have just started marriage. Some of you have just started uh, uh, raising your children. Let me tell you, everything God has done in your life up to this point was to get you ready for this new child, this new marriage, this, this new uh, job, this new place in life. And if you don't really hear what God was saying, whether he was rebuking you or encouraging you, then you're not ready to take this day or this new thing. So what is it that Moses centers in on? You know, I would think he would go back and he would talk about the grumbling and we would talk about a bunch of different things. But he goes back and he centers on that day when they were supposed to go in and possess the land and they didn't do it. So let's read about that. It's chapter 1, verses 19 through 26. And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All your men of valor shall cross over, armed before your brothers, the people of Israel, only your wives. Uh, I'm in chapter 3. You people should pay more attention. Chapter 1, verse 19. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, see, that's all it says about those ten times that they were tested. In Numbers chapter 14, I believe it's verse 22, it says, I've led you and I've tested you, you've tested me these ten times. But all Moses does is says, remember you went through the wilderness? So he doesn't recount the whole book of Exodus. And numbers. You have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord your God has given us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord the God of your fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Verse 26. It's just a quick review. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. So Moses, God tells Moses, all right, you've just won two battles, Sihon and Og. I want you to preach to the people, and here's what I want you to tell them. Hey, guys, you need to remember all the way the Lord led you, and especially you need to remember you came to the land once before, and God told you this is yours, take it, and you would not. Now, I'm going to suggest that there are a lot, that there have got to be a few people in here that you had vision for something that God had for you. And you knew it was what God wanted in your life, but for some reason you were afraid or fearful to receive the thing that God had for you. It may have been a particular kind of ministry. It may have been a particular job. It may have been in particular whatever, but remember we talked about giants. It was just too hard 
so you didn't do it. Right? But what's real interesting, and I'm real interested in what Moses centers on and causing them to remember. And then it goes on, and then it gets down in verse 41. Then you answered me, we have sinned against the Lord. We ourselves will go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. And every one of you fastened on his weapons of war and thought it easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, say to them, do not go up or fight, for I am not in your midst, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you. And you would not listen, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the hill country. This is where Moses comes and centers. This was 38 years before they began to move into the land of Esau, Moab, uh, Edom, Coming back to Kadesh Barnea. You gotta remember what happened. You were supposed to take it, but you were afraid to take it. And then you had second thoughts and you felt bad and you thought, no, I can do this. And you engaged it. But you failed. Why did you fail? Because God had just demonstrated to you that you did not have enough faith in him to achieve what he had called you to do. But because you weren't going to get your possession, now you thought you could do it without God in your midst. This is one of the hardest lessons for Christians to learn. Right after you fail, sometimes, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, is not a good approach. Sometimes if you fail, God says, look, you weren't ready. And I need to take you out into the wilderness and deal in your life. Hello. And I'm going to ask you to stop and think. Now remember, this whole thing is about God wants you to receive your possession. But he wants you to look back and see the dumb things you did and the times that he moved in your life. And Moses says, there's one particular place I'd like to go, and it was when you were supposed to take the land. I told you God had given it to you. You went in and you saw, indeed, this is the land that God has for me. But there's giants there, and I'm afraid of them. And you rebelled, and you chose not to take it. And then God said, I know you've repented, but you need to understand something. You can't go in now. You've got to go back out in the wilderness, and you've got to let me work in your life until I fill you full of faith and then take you in. And then people struggle to achieve the thing that God had given them rather than struggling to allow God to come and possess them. Does that make sense? So if you've had a point of failure in your life, 
And rather than turning to God and saying, God, I need you to shape me and form me. But somehow along the way you started freaking out because you're not going to get what you want. And you said, boy, I'm going to do this. This is the very lesson that Moses learned to start with when he was in the back 40, if you'll remember that. Does that make sense? Okay. You understand that? Is that resonating with anybody? Raise your hand if that's resonating with you. you got to remember the times in your life that God said do it and you didn't, and God said don't do it and you did. Both end up in failure. And you need to stop and look in your life and learn to discern God. When I was wanting something that I shouldn't want, and I tried to get it, and it didn't work out, and I became very frustrated. Why? Because we're wanting to hear God's voice. We're wanting to know the possession that He's giving us so that we can move into it, right? Is that right? Huh? Is that right? We want to know what God has for us, not just what we want. All right. So what's real interesting here now, Moses is really big on this. It's 38 years later. Look down in a chapter... Um, yeah, look down in chapter 2. And the time from our leaving Kadesh Barnea, verse 14, until we crossed the brook Zered was 38 years until the entire generation, that is the men of war, had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. So Moses says, that happened. And then for 38 years we wandered around until what happened? The men of war died. Everybody that was wanting to go in when God told them not to, and all those guys who were old enough to go in and they didn't, 38 years later, they're all dead. God had to take them on a 38-year journey in order for all of those guys who were rebellious to die. Now, how does that apply to your life? Patience. Sometimes when there's something big in your heart, but the thing is bigger than God in your life, God has to make you wait. That's right. Does that make sense? But now it's 38 years later. Now when is Moses preaching though? He's preaching 40 years later. So now we're going to look at the next two years. What happens in the next two years? They rebelled. 38 years of people dying in the wilderness. And now Moses wants to draw something to their attention. What does he draw to their attention? Well, look here in chapter 2. First of all, verse 5. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole of the foot to tread on, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Do not. In these two years, it's 38 years they died. Now we're going to get up to the time when the sermon is. He's looking back on those two years. He's saying, Remember, this is what happened. First of all, you came into the land of Edom, the land of Esau. 
And I told you, you cannot have any of this land. I've given it to Esau. I've given it to, as a possession to him. You can't have it because it's his. And what's the second thing that happens? They come into the land of Moab, which those are the descendants of Lot. Remember Lot? Abraham's nephew. God gave him a possession. The next thing that happened during those two years, God said, you can't have this either. 38 years, now they're all dead. Now it's time for us to take our possession. And the first thing God does is he leads them to a land where they need water, a land where they need food, and they resist. Esau resists Israel. They're this giant army. They're hardened from the wilderness, and they could take that and make it theirs. And God says, don't touch it. And guess what? They didn't touch it. Then they get to Lot's land, and God says, this belongs to Lot's descendants. Don't touch it. Guess what? They didn't touch it. But what do you suppose the next two things are? When did this sermon happen? This sermon happened right after they had defeated Zihon and Og. The next two things that happened, let's read it. Verse 24 of chapter 2. Rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Zihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. The big lesson that they learned is when God says, it's not for you, it's not for you. And you've got to learn that lesson before you can learn the lesson of what God's possession is. Have you learned what's not for you? Have you learned to allow God to say no in your life? Some people want to know what God has for them before they know what God has forbidden. You got to know both. You got to know both. That's the whole lesson. It's not just seeking to find what's yours, but to respect what's not yours and to realize it belongs to somebody else. And if you take it, you're a thief. Hello. There's only so much in the world. And when we begin believing God and hoarding stuff for ourselves, we are taking what God has promised to other people. And so we have to understand and know God's will for our personal life. Thank you. I believe you are listening. I'm not so sure anybody else is. All right, so the next thing that happens is in chapter 3, verse 2. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have given him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So the Lord our God gave into our hand Og, also the king of Bashan. So, do you see that? 
this thing of taking possession. God has something for you. But you've got to know what God's will is. You can't just indiscriminately start claiming things and, and, and achieving in your own flesh. But you've got to look at your life. See, this is about looking back at your life. Please listen. This is looking back at your life and seeing all of the false starts, seeing all of the failures, seeing all of the times you tried to achieve and you didn't, and see all of the times that you believed God had something for you, but you wouldn't engage it. Why? Because tomorrow's a new day. And the whole thing is not see how bad you were. The whole thing is, look, learn from those times in your life when you didn't reach out for what God had promised, or you reached out for something that God has not promised you. Yeah? It's really interesting. Then he goes on, and he says, verse 18 through 22, and I think this really underscores this point. Figure out what God has for you and in faith achieve it, but don't keep going for stuff and failing because you're just going for stuff that you want to go for. Verse 18, and he reminds them of, 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 of something God had already said, and I commanded you at that time saying, the Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All your men of valor shall cross over armed before you, your brothers, the people of Israel, only your wives and your little ones and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall remain in the cities. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, shall remain in the cities that I have given you until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as to you. Now, who is he talking to? He's talking to that tribe and a half who this land that they just took from Sion and Og, it was great. So some of the tribes part of a tribe, and another tribe said, hey, we'd like to go ahead and have this as our possession. And God says, yeah, that's fine. That's good for you. But leave your kids, leave your livestock, leave your wives, but all of you men who have taken this as your possession, you must go ahead and cross the river, and you must fight until all the men have gained their possession." This is not just about you getting your possession. This is about you joining with the people of God and your possession becoming part of what God's giving us and you laboring with them and being just as interested in them getting their possession as you getting yours. And I think a lot of times the reason that we don't achieve what God has for us in life is because it's all about us and we don't see ourselves as the people of God trying to achieve His purposes, and I'm just as interested in you and your life. Hello. You see how all this works together? And this, one's, this one's a bit sad. But Moses says, look, you have got to learn this lesson. When God says yes, it's yes. And when God says no, it's no. Let's read, read, read this next part. Verse 23. And I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O oh Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. Oh God, you are so wonderful, and I'm just beginning to see how great you are. 
For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Uh, please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this ever again. This is Moses preaching. Guys, listen. Let's look back at our lives. And let's see what we didn't achieve that we were supposed to because we didn't have faith and we were afraid of the giants. And let's see what we tried to do on our own and we complained about. And it didn't work out. Listen, guys, let me tell you. More than anything else, I wanted to go into this land. But I got full of myself, and God told me I couldn't go in. And I pleaded with him, and I said, God, please let me go in. And God said, enough of this. You've learned your lesson. You will not go in. So again, so again, I think it comes and it emphasizes it's not necessarily always so much about what God has for us as it is us avoiding those things that we think God has for us and it really wasn't for us at all. America is, I guess it's true everywhere, but I live in America so I know it's bad here. People think they can do what they want to do. They can achieve what they want to achieve. They think every person could be president if they wanted to. There is a God in heaven who knows you personally and he understands why he created you and it's up to you to discover that and to take it by faith and not take anything else. I believe this is the message because if you'll look at chapter, uh, if you'll keep going and you'll look at chapter, I'm in the book of Kings. Chapter 4. So Moses has preached this sermon. Guys, you need to remember and you need to learn from your past. You did learn these last couple of years that gets us down to this 40. God told you not to take that land. You didn't. God told you to take this land. You did. Now listen, it's not just about you, but it's also about you being interested in others. But you can't have what God doesn't have for you. I know this for a fact because I pleaded with the Lord and he told me to shut up. And then chapter 4 is so awesome. I hope I have notes for chapter 4. Yeah, verse 1. So in, 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 in chapter 4, this is how he closes his sermon. And this is how I will close my sermon. In chapter 1, he says, And now, O Israel... Listen to the statutes and rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers is giving you. It's real simple, folks. Listen to God. Do what he says. And you will obtain the possession that God has for you. And then he goes on, his second point, look down in verse 15, and I'm just hitting this briefly. 
Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Beware, lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of anything that looks like a wildcat in the water under the earth. And beware, lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven. What's it saying here? He's saying, you are going to live in a culture. See, he's summing this up. He's saying, listen, you can hear God and do His will and obtain a great possession that glorifies Him. But let me warn you, there is going to be a culture that has all kinds of things that it's going to present to you. And it's going to want to get established in your heart as an idol. And you're going to cry out for those things. You're going to desire those things. Do not create any image that could take the place of God. For them, it was carvings. For us, it's digital. For us, it's those things in our culture that would cry out to us, this is your possession. This is what you want. Be very careful that you don't allow anything to get into your life that becomes that. And then the last point he makes, verse 32. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Verse 40, Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children and after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So here's his closing. Listen, you've got to hear and obey God. Don't, don't create in your life things that capture you and you pursue. And remember, remember what God has done in your life. Remember the times that you really met with God. Is there any God like our God who has come down and met with us. So it all goes back, and listen real close, it all goes back to remembering the times that were very real in God. You've got to keep those alive. You've got to keep the times when you're deeply convicted alive. Either convicted of truth or convicted of sin. You've failed and it's become apparent you failed because you weren't seeking God, or you've been victorious and you met God there. you got to obey God. Don't live for the things of this world. Go back and remember God, and let that guide you as you face tomorrow. Let that guide you as you face a new career. Let that, gu let that guide you as you face a new phase in your life. 
So here's my question. There's two things he talks about. The Word of God and the things that God has done. Are you spending time in the Word of God to know the way that God works? But number two, do you stop and do you meditate and do you allow the things that God has done in your life to shape you and form you? Or do you have to keep going around and around the mountain? Now, I used to, when I would go through this portion of Scripture, I would always think, man, am I going to die in the wilderness or am I going to take the land? Let me tell you something. Every one of you are going to take the land. But I'd say most of you still have something in you that needs to die. And that doesn't die if you keep rebelling by doing what you shouldn't or not doing what you should. And when it happens, not acknowledging it. So here's your assignment. Stop. Go back and remember the times you've met with God and make that a foundation for moving ahead tomorrow, for moving ahead in your marriage. Let me give you a quick example, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll allow everybody to sort of be before the Lord and remember those good things and remember those not-so-good things. We have a we have sort of a, a it's not a law or a rule, but something we sort of do around here. When people are getting ready to get married, we sort of think if a guy is going to get married, he should be ready to care for his wife. I know that's kind of bizarre, but but we think that's true. And so one of the ways we we sort of you know measure if a guy's ready to do that, is if he's taking care of other men. I mean, we're always talking about discipleship. We're always talking about caring for one another. And so a guy comes up and says, I'm in love, and she's the most beautiful thing in the world. I'm going to marry her. Well, I would say, well, have you ever taken care of anybody? No, but I'm going to. No, you're not. You haven't learned the lesson that God was trying to teach you. You need to stop and say, wait a minute. I don't really love people. I've not really poured my life out for somebody. She's just beautiful, wonderful, and awesome like Billy's wife. And I want somebody like that. But am I the kind of person that deserves to possess that? See? It's about what I see and what I want, not am I prepared to do it. Does that make sense? So yeah, there's a lot of things in your life that God has promised you, but he wants to prepare you for it. And he does that through successes and failures to get you to the place that you'll do one thing. You'll seek God and God alone. And when he moves in your life, it will become foundational, and you will remember that. So let's all stand up. And let's set our heart. This is not a poor, pitiful me. Oh, I've been bad. It's, hey, God's been dealing in my life. Tomorrow's a new day. Let me stop and remember what God's done. Let me look at the things I tried to do and I kept failing and failing and failing and had to finally admit it's not God. 
and the things that I should be doing, but I was afraid to do, and it's time for me to repent of that and go and kill those giants. Yeah? Can we, can we worship God with this? Can we worship and remember those things? When we get finished uh, with this song the first time, I would like to hear three or four testimonies. Three or four where God has moved and you know it and it's become foundational in your life because he brought you into success. And if anybody's brave enough to share, well, you kept butting your head against the wall trying to achieve something that your idol had offered you, but for some reason, God never granted it. Yeah? All right, let's worship. Let's set our heart on God and what he's done in our life. Let's remember tonight together as we worship with a song. How many of you have something in your life that you resisted God on? And you remember it. How many of you have ever tried to achieve something that God wasn't wanting to give you because it belonged to somebody else? Yeah. Great. Remember these lessons. God is dealing with us. So Moses gives three sermons. The first one goes back and recounts the major rebellion, which was they wouldn't do what they were supposed to, and then they wanted to do what God told them not to do. And the bottom line of it was this. you got to hear and obey God. And one of the biggest things that will keep you from hearing obey and obeying God is creating some other God that you pursue. But there's only one God. The next sermon, it's going to be not so much about the things that God did in your testimony, but Moses' next sermon is going to be about the word of God itself and saturating yourself so you walk in God's ways. And in the final sermon, he's going to say, now let's focus on the possession. Let's go for it. Remember what God's done. Steep yourself in the word and set your vision on that thing that God has for you. So, Father, thank you that uh, you have vision for us and purpose uh, individually and together. And Lord, I pray that you would purge us of anything that has become an idol in our life and you would show us clearly what you've called us to be and do. Uh, and Lord, we are excited about this thing that you are doing in our midst and allowing us to possess righteousness, peace, and joy in the life uh, that we were intended to live. Bless you, Father, that you are giving us the land and that we are possessing it by faith in you uh, through the work of the cross. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.